more than 100 unique styles of beer, each with their own set of ingredients, process, guidelines, history, and experience. If you're a beer lover, an industry leader, or somewhere in between, a better knowledge of beer style will improve your life and your work. Welcome to A Sense of Beer Style, essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. I'm Julia Herz. And I'm Jeremy Storton. We're advanced Cicerones, beer judges, home brewers, and we're excited to guide you through the vast and wonderful world of beer styles. Julia, let's talk about uh, one of the most prolific beers in the world, a German Pils. Um, and and just to be clear, we're not talking a German Pilsner. We're talking German Pils. Um, in uh, reading up on this, look at that. It's pale. It's it's uh oh here i i've got to uh see yours as well but i've I've got a kind of a fancy uh footed me so easily distractible he couldn't finish the introduction i know me pouring my beer everybody well, that's because this is such a good beer everyone loves a pilsner even people who make nothing but barrel-aged beer they love a good pilsner and this is a german pils um the fun thing about this, um, especially in uh, researching this uh, this beer, is uh, if you remember or if you've uh, read before that the it was the Czech Pilsner that really began this whole Pilsner thing, and uh, it slowly started taking the world by storm. But at first, before it, uh, the German um, the, uh, the Czech Pilsner took the world by storm, it had to go next door to Germany, and it took Germany by storm. And um, as a result, there are a number of German styles that were meant to compete with the Czech Pilsner. There was there was the Dortmunder, there was the Helles, there was the Kolsch, but of course. Course, there is the German Pils, and they do call it the German Pils, not the Pilsner, and as a matter of respect to the Czechs who originated this, but the Germans have definitely made it their own and have made a, a slightly different variation of it. So we're going to talk about the German Pils today. Um, Julia, will you uh, uh, let us know what are the common ingredients that you would expect in a German Pils? Yeah, and I'll get you to that real quick to add to the history. This, the, if you read up on this style, this classic style mm. that has inspired the world over of brewers to emulate it, um, and it is kind of the cousin of the Czech or the Bohemian um, lager slash pills, this has to do with yeast smuggling and really <laughs> like looking at what's going on in another country and saying, we got to hook ourselves into that and bring it here. Oh, it would make um, such a great this, movie. A nice really little would, action movie. A little bit after that, um, that Czech uh, pills in the 1870s. So I just have always loved this. This also has variants northern Germany to southern Germany in its in its flavor characteristics. The more German, um, the more north you go in Germany, the more bitter, the more dry, because the water there, which affects both the Czech pills and the German pills, in, in the German pills, it's more higher in sulfate. So in talking about ingredients, that higher sulfate water, if you're in northern Germany, will really accentuate the bitterness and give you a drier beer and sometimes even give you that kind of like snatch of sulfur because of the sulfates in the water that create the water to be harder. The um, Czech pills has a softer water profile, softer on the palate. Um, and that definitely accentuates different things as in the residual sugar and the color of the Czech pills. So anyway, ingredients beyond the water, 
classic continental, meaning European style Pilsner malt. Um, Pilsner malt would be very low kiln temperature malt, um, not uh, higher kiln temperatures or roasted. So you're getting to that, um, what we always refer to as graham cracker, um, uh, you know, not quite to wheat malt flavors of bread flour um, and the like, but that graham cracker um, malt from Pilsner malt. And then traditional German hops. If you can list and rattle off German noble hops, you're talking Tettenanger, Hollitower, Spall. Um, you know, Sauzer style hops aren't um, as, uh, you know, thrown around readily. But when you say noble hops, there's different types. And it gives you that minty, herbal, spicy, mm. low to medium level. And I'm getting ahead of myself, um, flavor and aromatics. But the hops really are a part of this beer, not just for the bitterness, but also for the flavor. And then a clean lager yeast. This beer is about having the yeast be in the background and having the malt and the hops be the star, right? Absolutely. And that's the thing I love about this is it's a very, very balanced beer style, but they're not afraid to let the hops really come through and get, uh, I think the best term that I love to use for this style is the, the the bitterness is snappy. It's not overly assertive and aggressive like IPAs can get, but it but it's prominent. It's 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 this sharp spice to this wonderful light uh, malt flavor that it, for me is uh, yeah, this is where I'm becoming a kid again. It's kind of reminiscent of like corn check cereal. It's just so lovely. I love it. And, you know, I'm going to add to that is literally, as you said, the word snappy, and I have this re reaction palette wise. Sometimes I was sipping my beer and my tongue snapped off the top of my my soft mm -hmm. palate and it was a snap. So it creates this drying sensation. It's not astringency driven. Mm -hmm. It's a more from the bitterness and that harder water. Um, and yeah, it's a snappy um, type of uh, bitterness that I have come to appreciate so much about yeah. German pills. So let's talk about the appearance of this beer. I'm going to make sure you can get this in the uh, in the camera. Um, let's look at the color first of all. Um, let me slide this over real quick. The appearance. This is a very straw to deep yellow. It's brilliantly clear. It should be brilliantly clear and brilliantly clear. It's one thing to be clear and you can see through it, but brilliantly clear is like there, there's nothing other than maybe a slight color that's blocking your view. This is, this is crystal. This is, you can read a book through the glass and you certainly can with this. Um, the, the head on a good Pilsner should be creamy, should be white, and it should last for days, um, especially if you pour it well and really cultivate that rocky, moosey foam. Um, one of the beers that's on the commercial examples, I'm going to jump ahead real quick, is from Bierstadt. And they do their slow pour pills. And part of that is is to enjoy this huge, rocky, almost, it's almost like a cappuccino-like foam that just is just a delight in and of itself. That's the appearance of a good pills. And when it's poured into a good Pilsner glass, again, we'll talk about that later, then it really holds this together well. Um, that that's that's the appearance uh that of of a uh, that's the appearance of a proper german pill excuse me for getting tongue-tied there so let's talk about aroma i'm going to go back to drinking this while untie my tongue in the beer yeah these shows are so funny because we're we're easily distractible by the beverage itself when we've got one in our especially hands especially when the beer's really good then we just lose it <laughs> <laughs> and I think we're both loving our, our commercial examples. It'll be interesting to talk about mine against the style guidelines because it's an Americanized um, example. 
But aroma is what, after the appearance, will bring you in. And then we're going to lead with the hops. I'm getting lower level ethanol. The style guidelines don't talk about that in the in the um, big picture of things, but moderately to moderately high, flowery, spicy, herbal hops. Again, back to if you want to know how to describe German noble hops, Hollowtower, Tettenanger, Saw style, Spalt, it is that flowery, spicy, herbal, minty, right? And then low to medium, grainy, sweet, that's the classic style example or, or sensory example of what Pilsner malt is all about. Doughy malts, right? Um, light honey can come into play, toasted cracker, um, really good stuff. And then that clean fermentation. So I'm not getting a lot of essence of any lager yeast, or in this case example, no sulfur. The hops should be forward, but not totally dominant um, over the malt. It is an even balance between uh, aromatics from the hops, the ethanol and the malt to me and the style guidelines. And with that, that falls into Jeremy, the flavor. The flavor, uh, God, this is just one of my, I have so many favorite beers. This is one of them. Um, the, it kind of follows the the aroma. You should have this low to medium. You know, the the guidelines will say grainy. I, I have to. I, I'm going to agree to disagree on this one a little bit because with this proper German style, there's such an elegance where I don't get that texture of graininess. I don't get that that grittiness of graininess. But there's but well, there, grainy can mean astringency, right? Or over sparged. Grainy to me is like. Your your grape nut cereal steeped too long in the milk, and and then you're getting that tannins and astringency from it. So I think that 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 descriptor is a misnomer almost. Yeah, and it's where it's like you know it, it it's it's all throughout grainy, but then I need to qualify it. And so for this one, you know, grainy is just a very like bready water cracker, light honey. Um, and one of my favorite descriptors for the style that I get often is is just like a sweet corn cereal. Um, uh, but that graininess uh, that you, with the German beers I've noticed in compared to uh, American examples or compared to uh, American styles that are pretty similar, there's just an elegance about them that comes across in the flavor and in the mouthfeel that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but I'm getting a little uh, uh, too enamored with the, the malt, which is easy to do. Once again, this is such a good beer. The the noble hops that you just talked about, that um, the herbal, floral, minty, uh, it should be medium to medium high. Again, this is this is has the flavor of this hops as well as a medium to high bitterness that makes it kind of snappy. You've got this elegant uh, uh, malt and the snappy hops and together is just such a great um, combination. Um, you already mentioned this too with that because it is a lager and it's well lagered, well attenuated. It's very clean. There's a dry finish. It doesn't dry out your mouth, but it finishes clean. It has a definite end to the, the palate experience. Um, and some examples that are a little bit more minerally can just add a little bit of like a fullness to it. Um, can add a little bit of length to that finish, but there still is just this this sudden, uh, this relatively sudden stop to the finish to it, which I find also very interesting. Um, uh, for me, th this is a, an iconic flavor profile for a German Pils, um, but I will wax poetic no more. Julia, I'm going to send it over to you. Let's talk about the mouthfeel. Yeah, and this is the, the problematic situation that ensues when you have two advanced Cicerones that just want to wax poetic about <laughs> oh my gosh. some of their favorite beer styles. Um, so, I, I, you know, I, I love to, to talk about this. 
doesn't prove to give you a 15-minute show, though, but let me bring you back to what we're talking about. We're talking about German pills, so it's okay to dive in. This is one of the world-renowned beer styles, and everything from, you know, appearance, aroma, flavor is relevant, and so is the mouthfeel. So let me take it away on that with medium light body, right? The importance is it's not a heavy, dense beer, and medium to high carbonation. It's a refreshing beer, right? But it, and it shouldn't feel heavy um, or harsh or dense or heavy. But it does have an essence, and the style guidelines get at that water profile that I was talking about, especially if you have examples more so emulating the northern German approach. They mentioned flinty or minerally sharpness in some examples, and that to me comes from the higher hard sulfate water um, that is indicative of brewing these beers. Um, and that's, you know, certainly something that you want to pay attention to because it's very different than the Czech um, lager that they were emulating. So yeah. what about style comparison, speaking of Czech lager and other styles that this might be confused with? Yeah, I think I think th- there's a lot of different styles we can compare this to. I mean, we're American lagers, Kolsch's and, and and whatnot. But, you know, in, this, in the guidelines, they really there's a direct comparison uh, to a Munich Hellas and also a Czech premium pale. And um and it's it's interesting because as we've discussed already with our Czech premium pale lagers, um, the 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 Czech beers can technically have higher IBUs, but this beer is going to have a little bit more um, uh, perception of Sharp. bitterness, the sharpness, Sharp and and yeah. part of that is because this is, can tend to have a harder water, and a Czech beer is going to have softer water, and they're also going to uh, the Czechs are going to use longer boil times, deco- triple decoction mashes, and so the perception of bitterness changes, um, and so as far as the comparison goes. This the German pills can be uh, lighter and even have a higher perception of bitterness. At the same time, have a lower IBU by the numbers uh, than a Czech premium pale, and so that's where yeah. the experience comes in to understand the difference with this. Um, the other comparison, the Munich Hellas, for example, um, to me, the, they're very, very, very similar beers. But if if I had to pigeonhole it, I'd say the Munich Hellas emphasizes the malt, and the German Pils emphasizes the hops. Otherwise, they would otherwise be twin beers. In, in my in my book i mean um uh, yeah it, it, this that's where i go with this um so let's talk about the commercial examples of of beers that kind of fit in that german pills range absolutely and what i love is the style guidelines for bjcp advance over the years 2021 is what we are working with 2015 before that 2008 before that and they're all still available if you look at that historic record the commercial examples evolve and you've got some united states um craft independent craft sneaking in which is super fun but you still have the leading country you know such respect and you know props to, to to german brewers that are still leading the way in the style examples that are listed Jever Pills, you're going to find this in the U.S., Koenig Pilsner, Paul Lanner Pills, right? And that might even be what you're drinking, Jeremy, I think. That is. I'll Um, hold the can up. There you go. And then Beerstadt Slowpour Pills, um, which is made by Bill I. and Ashley Carter um, and Chris Rippey in Denver, uh, you know, an hour this way out my window. Um, One of the great examples to see acknowledged on this list, and if you can get it and get it fresh, 
they finally started canning because of the pandemic. They said they never can. You would only get that slow pour deliberately on draft at their location and strategic accounts around Colorado. But now you can buy it in the can and they have done a great service to all of us to get the U.S. of a German pills. So I love it. And then I'm drinking one, you know, from Wild Barrel out of San Diego that isn't even on the list. When you're me and you go speak at the Southern California Homebrewers Festival and you um, get put up in a RV camper and they stock your fridge, they put Wild Barrel Crispy Boys in your fridge and you fly it back because you've had so much beer at that festival. You want to save this one to try it with Jeremy on the show and share it with all of you. And so that's what I'm trying but I'm absolutely here to say that it's an Americanized example. If I were judging this, sorry, my sweet friend Bill, who is Wild Barrel and his partners, um, it's an Americanized example with hopness, a little more aggressive than I would expect for this in flavor. Um, and the bitterness is discerning where it's bumping up um, against that edge. Uh, but it's still a beautiful attribute to a very classic style for sure. And that's just a quick little side. That's the thing about beer style. It says that beer that you just described and that you're drinking, I would love to share one of those with you or have my own and you have your own. But I, that sounds like something we could drink all day long. But we're talking about the styles. We're talking about the center point with some exception um, and just understanding that the the description of beer styles, we talked about this in the prepisode, that um, you may have an incredible beer, but a style is, is is just kind of a way to communicate. So how how well that fits, it doesn't have to fit perfectly. And it may not fit perfectly, but it's still going to be a phenomenal beer. So, um, right. But that said, but let's talk about some beer stats. Um uh, because I'm not a numbers guy, but I do love me some beer stats. A German pills, uh, you know, uh, Julie, you love to start with original gravity when it's done being brewed or, uh, when it's, uh, uh, yeah, when it's about ready to ferment, we get into the original gravity and it, you know, really, it kind of shows us a approximate alcohol range, 1044 to 1050. That's the range for original gravity. So we can expect it's going to be uh 4.4 to 5.2 again. The, the German beer styles are showing that they love their tight specs, 4.4 to 5.2. That's not even a, a 0 0.10 spread uh, or a point. Yeah, you know what I mean. Um, it's not even a full uh, 10 points there. Um, but when we get into IBUs, uh, you 22 to 40, I always memorize it as 20 to 40 uh, just for the sake of studying for the tests. Um, SRM is 2 to 4. This is super, super, super pale. Not the palest on the guideline list, uh, but it is exceptionally pale. Um, but when we get to final gravity, this is where we get a sense of body. This is 10.8 uh, or 10.08 to 10.13. So this is right on the fence of dry to having a little something behind there. Um, I, I always think of uh, 1010 as kind of like my, as my fence, and this is straddling the fence as far as his body and residual goes. So this is a balanced beer. It's not overly dry. It's not overly refreshing in a bad way. This is refreshing in a good way, uh, but it gives you some opportunity to do something with it, uh, pairing-wise. <laughs> And the way I always remember the um, the final gravity of German pills, which is what we're talking about, compared to uh, you know the Czech style lagers, is 
1008 to 1013, there's no other beer style listed in the style guidelines that has that final gravity. So my mind says the German pills, you are, it's so popular, you would find it in 7-Eleven, right? The 7-Eleven United States store. So you go up one point from seven, that's 1008. One point up from 11 or two points up from 11, that takes you to 1013. And then you have your final gravity. So that's always a cute little cheat that I use. And I think vital statistics, if you memorize them, it is important to have this one in your back pocket compared to the Czech style loggers because the Czech style logger has such a higher final gravity. It's important to notice the difference. Yeah. Excellent. That's, that's perfect. Um, so what kind of glass would you prefer to see this in? So I'm absolutely finally, and we on our show, we're, we're not sweating it. We are here to be your authorities and guides, um, but we are not here to say that you need to take it too seriously. <laughs> but in this case, I am authentically drinking a German Pils out of my German Pilsner Spiegelau Pilsner glass. And it looks like an hourglass. What you've got is an, an area for your hand to hold on to it but because this beer style is so centric on being refreshing and cold the majority of heat from your hand won't influence this portion of the glass right and then there's nucleation sites on the bottom of the glass that are forcing the bubbles to rise those are etchings on the bottom of the glass and you can see where the speaker yeah, you can totally see that is. and what that does because this is a highly carbonated um emphasized beer style is it accentuates the volatizing of the carbon dioxide or CO2 out of the beer because of that etching. And it will volatize out the CO2 of the glass. So because this beer is meant to be sessionable, you will fill up less from that etching. And I've literally done demonstrations with the Spiegel Out glass line and looked at molecular structure of the glass that is... There was the, my dog loved that. <laughs> that is designed to have much less porosity, porousness, if that's a word, than many other types of glass. But yet they create porosity on the bottom to have volatizing out. So I truly love drinking Pilsner's German Pils out of this glass and many lagers um, because it's all about the temperature from your hand. And then there's no bump. You might notice on some glasses, especially some of the um, Belgian glassware, that you'll have a bump or a lip on the glass. This is all about the, the carbonation and the volatizing going out and the concentration like a tube of those aromatics going straight to your olfactory nose and not about worrying that the, um, that the bump of that glass will emphasize malt flavors and residual sugar to the back of your mouth. Yeah. The, the glass that I have is is a Pilsner glass, but it's stemmed uh, as opposed to being footed. Um, yes. Uh, and the nice thing about this, because this beer, it is a it is a light beer. It should be cold. May, again, I've used this before. I'm not going to pull it from the bottom of the uh, ice chest, but from the top, certainly. Um, but anywhere from 38 to 40 degrees is perfect. But I don't want to warm the beer with my hand if I'm sitting there having a deep conversation. So the night, the fact that I have a stem glass, I can hold it by the stem and let it stay cold. Um, 
if I'm thinking, let's see what this beer really has to say when it warms up, then I can I can grab it uh, by the actual glass and help kind of warm it up. And, and, and it's still going to be good and interesting and different flavors will come out. But um, this is uh, among the fancier uh, Pilsner glasses that I have uh, from Mecca Grade uh, Malt House in Oregon. But um, uh, but it is it's an excellent, excellent glass for this. Um, let's talk about food pairing with this beer. This is a fun beer to pair with. So food pairing, and if you, you listen to our shows, especially the style cast, you're going to get a lot of the similar pairings for your, you know, pale, bitter Euro lagers. German pills, because of that snappy bitterness, can stand up to a little bit more richness, a little bit more fat. I would not be scared to skip countries and put this with, a, you know, a, um, a sauteed cod and a Pure Blanc sauce, which is white wine and butter. It's going to find its way to white fish and butter. And, you know, it's going to slip into that, like, you know, two high school kids on their third date kind of feel. <laughs> and it's going to work really well with some richer dishes that have, you know, the need for a beer that's got elegance, but yet that has some bitterness to have a, um, you know, an effect against the richness and the fat. So that's my that's my entree dish, Jeremy. What about you? I love it, and you know, honestly, I've done I've done some uh, personal research on this, and to pair this because of that hop flavor and that uh, snappiness and the uh, and the uh, carbonation that comes through, I love this with like a fried calamari, or you know what? Honestly, even on a Friday night, you got some movies on. This beer is fantastic with popcorn, preferably homemade. Absolutely. And popcorn with butter. And I am a popcorn mm -hmm. aficionado. You know what I put in my popcorn, Jeremy, is a little bit of um, umami flakes, right? Ooh, you know, you, put, you can do yeast flakes that bring umami to the equation. My mouth is watering talking about the popcorn I make. And then with, a, you know, a light butter and salt um, mixture on that popcorn, salinity, salt is going mm. to make things pop. That's why we put it on our food. And frankly, that's what bitterness will do sometimes is help clean things up and, and counterbalance and make them pop. So I love it. Yeah. Definitely. Buttered popcorn. Yeah, it was perfect with the German pills. But that is, yeah. as, as you can tell, anyone who's been watching or listening to this, you can tell that we both are madly in love with German pills. There's a lot of beers that we love. This is just another one of them. So I hope you fall in love with it, too, because this is a, this is a prolific beer style that everyone needs to understand. Yep. Thanks for listening and joining us. Um, good beers to you. Drink more German pills, I think is the theme. Cheers to that. Thank you for listening to Essence of Beer Style, the essential beer style training for those who want to lead in food and beverage. With advanced Cicerones, me, Julia, and me, Jeremy. Tune into the next episode as we continue exploring the world of beer styles and what to make of them. We encourage you to listen to the prepisodes to build your foundation and better understand beer styles. And before the next episode, I'd like to ask you to review the show and let us know what you'd like featured in upcoming episodes. Until next time, here's to you and your sense of beer style. Thank you for listening. Cheers. Cheers.